Jersey. Take it away. Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. Jason, what jersey are you wearing today? Uh, Trinidad Tobago, which I don't know <laughs> if, if this is a jersey that represents loyalty to the fullest or Stockholm Syndrome, but uh, I'm, I'm wearing it. Uh, we, we drew with Guyana, which considering we had a horrible gold cup, I'll take that because the two things that I can never admit is that Guyana is better at soccer than us and that they make better roti. Those are two things I will never admit. Uh, so one, one draw is okay in my books, especially since we were down until like the 80th minute. So I was at the gold cup not so long ago and uh, Haiti used to be my second team just because I really liked uh, Derek Etienne jr. And yeah. uh, you know, re really liked him, but I hung out with the Bermuda fans, Bermuda Nicaragua match. And the, those fans were awesome. But the fact that they won their first game in a major tournament ever a little 65,000 person Island. I mean, you know, Trenton, New Jersey has that many people, right? <laughs> you can't. You can never tell if a Caribbean team is actually winning or losing the game if you're not looking at the score line. Because if you look at the fans, it always looks like they're winning. So uh, it's always it's always fun partying with those guys. And uh, yeah, I can be at the quarterfinals in Philly this weekend. Yeah, that that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I wish uh, I wish I had time to go because it's not far from me either. So I'm actually uh, today I, I'm wearing a, another one of my new scarves that I purchased. Okay. This one is the inaugural season of the Lansing Ignite, who were okay. winners on the weekend as well. Light so, it up. So you've got Trinidad, I've got Lansing, but let's go to USL League One News. Got Nathan Lewis. <laughs> there you go. Peppy signs a homegrown deal. Jason was. Uh, yes, he did. Was that it's almost like somebody called that last week. I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> But here's an interesting thing, and everyone, when the news came out, is like, oh, it's assuming he'll get loaned back down and yada, yada, yada. But uh, did you happen to see uh, MLS action this weekend? I did. There was a guy there that you and I and a few others of us have had the pleasure of watching for the last six months or so. Yeah, so so I wonder if everyone kind of needs to pump their brakes on the assumptions that uh, he's just going to automatically be loaned back down to North Texas, you know. It, we don't know, uh, you know, the, the trajectory of how far he is in their system and how much of that they actually need him. But the fact that, you know, when a couple guys are missing, whether it was for Gold Cup, I think, with Brian Acosta and Pax gone and um, Pax is back now. But I think uh, I think he might be called up to FC Dallas more than people are thinking. I think when it first came out, people assumed he got signed was probably going to train with the first team but play the majority of North Texas games. And he might still play a good amount with North Texas. But uh, I think uh, he's going to be playing a couple more MLS games than people think. Yeah, which will obviously be good for him. And it's, I think it's also good advertising for the league and the fact that, you know, it's not a surprise that this is a development league. But he will be missed. I mean, I did. I talked to Breck Evans uh, on on Monday, and you'll hear you, you can hear that in our feed, by the way. That was our episode 26, Breck Evans, the captain of North Texas SC. And Great he did say that. Listen. 
Yeah, thanks. Um, and he did say that it was a, uh, you know, Ricardo Pepe would be a loss, but there's other people behind him. And one of the questions I asked was, is this a motivator for other guys on the team? And he said it absolutely was. The fact that, you know, you have you have this path up to the first team is just, just huge. Um, he also mentioned things about, you know, European teams maybe looking at guys, especially when they're playing professionally yeah. already. So and I thought that was interesting. Wild that uh, the former Golden Boot leading Score, uh, you know, is taken off to. He's MLS. not anymore. He's number two now. Right, and now the new one, <laughs> still with North Texas. So it's just like, yeah, I don't. They'll miss him for sure. Uh, Ronaldo Damas and him are different, definitely different players. But I think when it comes to clinical finishing, they're they're still, and we'll talk about their game in a little bit. But they still have their clinical finisher that they need. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, and one of the things that you will notice if you go back and watch these matches over the past week and a half or so, whether it's uh, all the MLS two teams were missing a lot of players. In fact, you know, TFC two had only three subs. North Texas, when they went up to forward Madison, only had three subs. And one of the big reasons for that is that some of them were missing players from the Gold Cup. So, um, so, so BQ, uh, be a, help me out here, Jason. Um, now nah, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you uh, dig yourself out this hole. I, you know, and, and you know what, what's really bad is I actually looked at the pronunciation guide and I still can't do it. So it's Bithyante, I think. Bithyante. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that. So, um, but he he's uh, a Haitian player. Um, he uh, plays for North Texas. I got to see him actually at Red Bull Arena on uh, on Monday night because nice. he did get about 10 minutes uh, for uh, Haiti to close out their win against Costa Rica to top group B. Um, it was uh, it was a fun match. I mean, it definitely seemed like, you know, Costa Rica was pressing. Haiti had their chances on the breaks and uh, um, and they did wind up getting a couple of goals there. And uh, as I said, top the group. So yeah, that should be great. So watch out for him because he might come off the bench to close out the game, especially if uh, they're leading. Uh, let's see. Other League One Academy players. Uh, there were a lot of USL League One players who played in the U.S. Development Academy playoffs that were held in Southern California this week. So a lot of players. So some notables missing for TFC, Perusa. Their leading scorer. Uh, we know that he is, has been a clinical finisher, and when not finishing, he had a lot of assists. So in their comeback, where they scored three goals against North Texas, remember he didn't get on the score sheet, but he had two assists in that game, including the game tying assist. So, uh, but he scored three goals in his first three matches of the uh, the U19 group play. Uh, but then in the, the but then they got crushed. 5-0 by NYCFC. So he, he didn't get on the score sheet there. He did play in that mat, in that final match against NYCFC, but they just didn't have the legs. North Texas, as I mentioned, besides missing some players to the Gold Cup, we're also missing players, including David Rodriguez, who played for the North Texas, actually, the excuse me, the uh, FC Dallas U-17s. Uh, he scored a couple in the group stage against the Whitecaps, and then he scored two more against Atlanta United's U-17s, and he played 74 minutes against San Diego Surf. They played really, really well. They're continuing to uh, make that run toward the DA Cup. They had only two goals conceded. One was a ninth-minute own goal in one of the games. Also, OCB missing a couple of players. Players that, Jason, you and I have talked about in the show, Luke Granator, Moise Tablante. Uh, both time somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well. So both of them played. So some interesting things about this. So so Luke Granator did have a game against Golden State, and then he also played in a couple of in his other two uh, group stage matches, but did not get on the score sheet. And Moises Treblante, uh, his claim to fame in the whole tournament was he got a red card in the 90th minute nice. in their loss to FC Golden State. In Orlando fashion, love it. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, you know, that's exactly what I thought as I was watching the end of that game. And then finally, Jason, and I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but um, but in other USL League One news, forward Madison didn't only beat North Texas this uh, past week, but they also lost to an MLS side. <laughs> You built that up, but uh, yeah, they did, and and I guess the uh, the irony of it is they lost to a player that is a low knee to them. Uh, yeah. So Mason Toy was the one who scored two goals against them. But an interesting note about that game: uh, Danny Tenario played, and a lot of people, you know, I, I hyped him up earlier this, you know, in the preseason. Uh, watched him play with Naples United last year, and easily carried that team on his back was the most important player and one of the most important players in that sunshine conference. And, you know, if he's back and scoring goals Ford with already three amazing attacking passer, whatever position they want to play players. And then you put Danny in there, Ford might be ready to go on a nice little run, but we'll talk about them uh, in a little bit. Yeah, and they have and they have a few more home matches uh, on and off as well. So unlike the beginning of the season when they were on the road for the right. first uh, five six, they, weeks they have a gruesome next upcoming I think four games, and then after that, like Tucson, the back end of their season, a lot of their games are at home. <laughs> Uh, in that game as well, you had uh, you had about forty eight you had over forty eight hundred people in the stadium. It was a sellout. I think it, uh, from what I saw, it might actually have been a slightly over capacity. So they might have yeah. gotten some gotten and, some lawn seats or something. That and and uh, and when you were talking with Evans, you know, what did he say about the atmosphere? You know, playing there. Yeah, he said it was it was a great atmosphere. It was really there were a lot of people there. Um, you know, I, I talked with uh, with Breck Evans about you know what do you do after something like that, and he said you know it was super quiet. I think that they were a little shell shocked, quite frankly, after that game. Um, we, we'll we'll get to that in a minute because uh, that'll be uh, that'll be the second or third game we talk about tonight. Um, but let's start with Saturday's first match, which was, for my money, the uh, probably the most exciting match of the week, not only because there were a lot of goals, but because of how open it was. And uh, it was exciting in other ways, too, because the and, weather didn't help out very much. And somebody from that's not from North Texas scored a hat trick, so it can be done, ladies and gentlemen. It can <laughs> that's be right, yeah. So so Stephen Beattie, and if you don't know, did score a hat trick in this game. Uh, so that there's been three hat tricks in the first uh, half of the USL League One season, uh, but it was Chattanooga Red Wolves three, the Greenville Triumph two. Uh, it was a if if you watch this match on ESPN Plus and not live, it was uh, it was really good because they you know they they, they didn't have two hours of just the uh, of just watching the rain fall on the pitch. Uh, but Stephen Beatty scored in the 19th minute. Uh, he then scored again in, in the 38th. Uh, Jake Keegan then scored two to tie it up in the 52nd and then 60, 62nd minute. But Stephen Beatty uh, took one in the 77th. Um, you know, of these five goals, Jason, which one was your favorite? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I think it was the second goal for Chattanooga because it was just an all around beautiful play. And I posted a video on Twitter about it, but my thing and very underrated part of being a defender is that first pass when you either intercept the ball or when you win a one-on-one and when you have the pass, the way that Tony walls passed it, you just, it was beautiful. So he, you know, Greenville was pressing and it was kind of working. Um, you know, Chattanooga seemed a little bit, distraught by it. And then, um, so Tony Walls 
flicks one up because Polek comes and intercepts it. It's in the air. He wins the one-on-one. But when he makes the turn and wins the one-on-one, he puts in a through ball in between two defenders into the middle of the field, and Pineda's right there. And what's important about that pass is when he splits the two defenders, Pineda doesn't have to come back. He doesn't have anyone on him. He's in full stride looking forward, and everyone is one-on-one now at this point. So now you, anytime there's one-on-one, you have the winger down the side, you have another winger, and then you have a forward in front of you. One of those defenders is also in charge of closing in that space for Pineda because nobody's in front of him so that's all of a sudden then when he flicks it off to uh i think it was mare who has it and then yep. crosses it in the bd and because and it was bolin in this instance who had to be the one to either close the space on pineda but also stay with bd he kind of gets caught in the middle so when the ball crosses in he's late to the clearing it and that's what allows bd to score so i just think that was a beautiful goal and it all starts from a defender yeah, I think it, in fairness, I think that was a great. It was a great line splitting pass, like you said, into Pineda. I, I don't, I don't blame Bolin so much for this. I mean, the fact that he even got a foot on it, I think, was pretty good because he had to get in front of Beatty, who was making that far post run. And you know, quite frankly, he just gets unlucky. You know, because Mari's pass was almost was not quite pinpoint, but it was just behind him. So he actually had to turn around and try and hit it. And he got kind of unlucky that uh, it didn't go up higher. And that I think he thought maybe if he gets any anything on it that uh, Dallas J was going to come out and just and and collect it and right. Dallas was laid off his line too so I think there were a couple of unlucky things that, that happened there on, on the part of Greenville but uh, but you can't take anything away from from that entire play because like you said when the ball was in the middle of the pitch at, at Pineda he found Mare on the run and then Mare was able to uh, to, to one time it because he had gotten him behind um, I, I I thought you know obviously. Is some of the a couple of these came off of uh, um, off of set pieces. So Beatty's first goal actually came off of a corner kick. It was very nice uh, set pieces. One of the things that that was a theme this weekend, and this happened twice in this game, was covering the back post on set pieces. There were three goals directly mm-hmm. from not having a guy on the back post during set pieces, and and uh, you know the 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 fir- Beatty's first goal uh, was was like this, and then the second one uh, was in uh, was the third goal, the game winning goal, because that also came from across from the right side, Ualfe. Uh, he he was wide open on the back post. Quite frankly, he should have buried it, yeah. but instead he he hits it. Uh, Dallas J makes a great save, but he wasn't able to catch it, and then it just went back into the mixer. And Beatty, uh, I, I like this goal is my favorite of the five because Beatty's, uh, you know, half. I don't know if it's scissor kick, half volley. It was <laughs> it, it was a nice. It was just yeah. a nice bit of athleticism from uh, from a very clinical goal scorer. And um, it's always it's always cool to have someone have a hat trick with three different goals, right? It's not. Yeah just three tap-ins or whatever you had at your header you had a, a tap-in or on the run goal and then you had that half volley or whatever you want to call it um so yeah it was great to see him get those kind of goals too to go along with the hat trick yeah. so even though uh even though chattanooga had a little bit more possession in this game it was basically 50 50 it was 53 47 um they were never offside in this game which is a little bit interesting given the fact they were able to get as many corners as they well, did so you know what's funny about Chattanooga is even in this game, Chattanooga just they, they with three goals, right? You would think that they had tons of of key passes and tons of chances created. They only had four key passes all day, and two of them were on corners. 
right. they only shot the ball eight times and three were off target and three other three were goals. And then you had one that was blocked and one that was on target. So you only had one on target shot outside of the goals. So I, they're just efficient, right? They get their chances and they score with them. They're actually the most efficient team in the league when it comes to shooting. They have the least amount of shots, but they have the highest conversion. Um, so, and that's at 18%, which is not bad at all. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see what Chattanooga does because like you said, we're, they're not a high powered offense and then they're not known for their, you know, uh, disciplined defense and keeping teams out. They're just, they're very good at taking their chances and, you know, being efficient when they have them. But I do want to say, uh, last two games, Chattanooga does look like an offensive powerhouse. They've scored in their last two games, more goals than they have the six games prior to it. <laughs> um, and a big reason of that is Pineda. And we've talked about how we think that Chattanooga just needs that person in the middle to kind of dictate it, you know, dictate. We, we've seen it with FA, but we want him to play back because, you know. He yeah, he's a better he's a better six, I think, than he is and, in Pineda. And Pineda has really stepped up. So, and just to give you an example, in his last two games, He's had a goal, two assists, five chances created, three tackles, and 84 passes. Compared to his first nine games where he had zero goals, zero assists, three chances created, and 97 tackles, so only, or 97 passes. So only seven passes less than he's had in the first, in his past two games. Yeah, and he's amazing. only, in, in his first nine games, he's played 230 minutes. His last two games, he's played 163. So he's almost there at his, and it's just incredible to how Chattanooga all of a sudden changes when he's in form so, and he's playing so, well. So I haven't seen his heat map. Is he playing farther up the field now than, than yep. he was before? Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty clear. I mean, basically, he's become he's become a. And he's actually player. playing right. Yeah. Like he he played the full game um, last week against Richmond, and then he played I think seventy eight yeah. minutes this week. So he's actually playing now it's not hit you know he subbed on and off a lot to for those first nine games that he played um and i think he's found his form and i think he's a difference maker for this team right now so let's go to greenville there is some optimism to take from greenville even though you know there was obviously some bad set piece defending on two of the three goals um i think with you know, Jake Keegan finally starting to score. Could this be the turnaround that Greenville needs? I mean, we've always talked about them needing a striker, but Keegan now seems to have maybe caught some form, either, either that or he's just making the runs that he always needed to do before and never, you know, uh, never did. Yeah. I just, the, can they, can they keep doing it? Is it going to be consistent? Right. Because my, the thing that scares me is if Keegan isn't consistent, who's going to pick up the pieces? So I still think that Muhammad is extremely dangerous and probably their most dangerous offensive player. And I think he's responsible for that second goal, right? Or the first goal for them. I think he's the yep. one that shot it and it went off the cross post. Correct. And then um, yep. it was headed in by Bolin. So I think that they have offensive guys, They they, they but I don't know who scores if it's not Keegan. So they better hope he stays in form, right? Because when you look at Lansing – they have options. When you look at Ford, they have options. When you look at North Texas, they have options. Toronto. So the best teams offensively in this league have options. I just don't feel like Greenville has any. So if Keegan is scoring, then yeah, I would consider them, you know, a tier two good team. But uh, if he's not, they could end up being in second to last place this season because they're just not getting the points. All right. Well, moving on, the other game at the same time was Lansing Ignite. 
notice the scarf on around my neck. It's actually getting very hot. I think I'm actually going to take it off. It's 90, it's 90 degrees here in, uh, too, in New too, Jersey. Too ignited for you. Yeah, exactly. I got really, really warm and fired up uh, <laughs> watching this game. So Lansing Ignite uh, 2 to Orlando City B0. Um, Nick Moon uh, scored in the 51st minute. So Of course. Uh, yeah, of course, Nick Moon scored. It was actually kind of a poacher's goal because the ball just wasn't cleared properly. It came in from the left. It just wasn't cleared. It bounced around the box a little bit, and he came in from, from the right-hand side and just put, definitely put it away, chipping the keeper. It was a very nice finish, but um, but it, it was kind of lucky that the ball bounced him in the first place. And then again in the 50, 68th minute, but who else but Kevin Kroifik. I mean, yeah. you know, so on this particular on this particular goal, um, Kyle Carr hit the ball from about 40 yards out on the left hand side, right into the penalty far side of the penalty area, and Kroifik's making this great diagonal run toward the far post, takes it out of the air. Um, two players from OCB's back line, they actually looked like they were going to fall backward because they were trying to get to this ball, and uh, and they backed up, but Kroifik was just you know right there and uh, and just volleyed it home. Um, and uh, it was just, it was really, really uh, like a hard any shot pass, Chad. Like yeah. any defender would, you know, just a, just a, from the in, yeah, exactly. from the air volley, you know. Just a, just a normal normal thing that they do. You know, you know, right. you know what's funny? It looks very much like, um, uh, or, or reminded me quite a lot of Breck Evans' goal from last week where, uh, where Breck hit that left-footed volley after a corner kick that the ball just happened to come to him and he was wide <laughs> open. Um, yeah. so, so not the similar. No, nothing like Aaron Long's chest goal in, no. uh, and, against, against the, the team whose jersey you're wearing tonight. And the guy <laughs> – thanks. And the guy uh, – uh, the guys at Capital Combustion brought it up very similar to his goal against Richmond in that first game to where they, you know, ripped right. it to him in that back corner. So, yeah, like you were saying, people probably should uh, defend the back corner. I don't know, or back post. Yeah. I mean, he he lost his marker. I mean, I think people thought that he was going to stay at the like whoever was defending him. I, I don't remember who it was it was uh, was thinking that he was going to stay toward the top of the box to try and get a rebound or something else. But instead, he made that run, uh, maybe knowing. I, I think this looked like something that had been practiced, where if Carr got the ball either on the left uh, on the left hand side, that he was going to hit it far post, and that um, and, and that Groyfik should be making that that far post run. You know, meanwhile, when if you look where. Um, I don't remember who it was. Who was it was Nick Moon? Maybe um, he he had backed up actually, making space, um, making space for Kroyfik to make that run. So it looked like something very. Uh, almost like a set piece, but it did come from the run of play. It wasn't from an actual set piece. Um, otherwise, Lansing really dominated this game, even though they only had 54% possession. They had 18 crosses uh, to four, 17 shots to seven, uh, and they had uh, six corners compared to OCB's one. So, uh, you know, it was, it was really, a, it was more comprehensive than it looked. I mean, it was really unlucky, quite frankly, for Lansing not to have scored even in the first half. OCB had a few chances, but, but Lansing definitely looked more dangerous in this one. Yeah, and you, anytime you get corners against Orlando City you should be you know thankful for that because that that's their weakness right and Lansing's a big team like you know so when you get to bring up Koi Fick and Ficky and all of their defenders and they can come in they can dominate those poor boys um but I think overall like you said Lansing dominated uh was in front of their largest crowd uh, of the season so far they had 4,800 people um you know the atmosphere was great um, you know, assembly line sounded great. And I keep trying to tell people if I looks like he's in form, Celso is a difference maker. Oh, 100%. And, oh yeah. I'm, I'm going to call out people because 
they're on their podcast saying, oh, you know, I think he he's a super <laughs> sub material. I don't think he should be starting. And then this week, all of a sudden I hear, oh, you know, he needs to start because it takes him time to get into the game and all of that. But, you know, I'm not going to hate because, you know, as long as it's happening, um, you know, when he scored uh, that game last week, you can tell, you know, it was just a chip off his shoulder. He felt that weight come off. And now I hope that confidence keeps pushing him because uh, he's consistently finding himself in one-on-one situations. He's consistently spreading the floor. I like to compare it to uh, a center in basketball who can shoot threes. So you have to respect his speed. You have to respect his ability. So because of that, you have to go out there. You have to spend that attention to him. And anytime that a defensive mid has to deal with him or a wing back or a left back is afraid to kind of commit going forward because they know, hey, if they counter, I'm not going to be able to keep up with him. Um, yeah, I think he changes the dynamic of the game, and I think he's an important player even when he doesn't have the best games or show up on the stat sheet. Anything else on this game, Jason? Yeah. Uh, so Lansing uh, had, you know, 20 million uh, key passes. <laughs> Just like I, I lost. Yeah, there were, there were lots and lots of chances. Yes. And really so, I, so that was my thing. This game could have easily been – 6-0, and Orlando just, you know, with players away and being on the road, they're not a great team. I think they only had three key passes the whole game. It was just a, it was a tough one for them. It was, they're, they're back in week two form. So you hope that uh, they can get it together, their next home game. And once they get some guys back. All right. Well, moving on, uh, this was the, believe it or not, I'm going to, I'm going to, preface this by saying this was the cleanest game of the week. There were only <laughs> 17 total fouls in this entire game. Um, so nine for forward Madison and eight for North Texas, but it was forward Madison for North Texas one very loud and rock, raucous crowd. Like I mentioned before, North Texas had only three bench players, two field players and a goalkeeper. Um, like, a, you know, again, uh, the, the development Academy cup, uh, no Ricardo Pepe. He was up with the first team um, that that will change this week. When we do the the previews, I'll mention a couple of things uh, about that because they will, I'm sure have a full bench going forward. I think they have that problem ironed out. They'll also have their, their DA people back for this weekend more than likely. Right. Um, but the first goal though, North Texas did open the scoring in the 15th minute. It was a corner kick. Um, I, I don't remember who won it. I want to say it might've been Ronaldo uh, Damas, but um, the, uh, the corner kick, came from Arturo Rodriguez, who is just great. He, uh, For my money, he might be the next person called up, but I guess uh, Dallas does have a plethora of midfielders, but uh, but yeah. Arturo Rodriguez is certainly tearing up this league, and and I would not be surprised if he got a, a call up to the first team or looks from overseas. Uh, but he takes the corner, and um, uh, yeah, Ronaldo Damas gets loses his marker and gets his head on the ball again at the far post. Um, he was kind of covered, but no one else jumped, and he did. (laughs) Listen, Ira, you said that you guys need to cover the far post. You never said anything about jumping and doing all that. Now you're adding stuff. All right, let's step by step. I mean, mean, we we work in this with the U15 team, I coach. I don't get it. 
Anyway, so, uh, but that was all that North Texas was able to get offensively in this game. Uh, Don Smart then uh, then beat them uh, in the 33rd minute. Eaton had, took a long-range shot, which was saved, and, and Smart was just right there to uh, to, to mop up the rebound. It was a, a definitely a poacher's goal. Uh, Smart scores again late uh, middle of the second half in the 64th minute. Again, Brandon Eaton. Um, so, so Smart made a great uh, run long and uh, – um, and yeah, Brandon Eaton just just uh, just hit a, hit his through ball, and Smart runs onto it in a lot of space, and he uh, he beat the keeper with a low shot that was, uh, um, you know, the, the North Texas guys just looked half a step slow in this game and, yeah. and just picked up defenders. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, they rotated. There were a few guys on the back line that that weren't normally there. Uh, maybe it was travel. Maybe it was the atmosphere. But but it, with all of those, it wasn't. Uh, um, it was more poor defending, I think, than forward being as clinical as maybe they, they think. In the first half, I don't think that was the case. I think in the first half, North Texas looked really good. But when they came out in the second half, they just did not look like the normal second half. And in fairness, North Texas, Jason, they have let in a lot of goals. It's just normally they score a lot, right? All so. Right. You know, they, how many, you know, they've had a number of two, three results, for example, so, or three, two results. Um, yeah. So it's, I guess it's not a huge surprise that someone was able to drop a four spot on them. But, but, you know, I think with, when you play forward, when the, the goals that they score, when you watch forward score, it's never half field goals built, like it's full on open field sprinting, drawing in defenders in the midfield with Paulo and Nunez and then sending those balls to where Don Smart's one-on-one or Giro's one-on-one, somebody's one-on-one and then can cross it in or shoot. Um, and so I think I, that just, that's, that has to hurt, right? Like when you lose, cause now you're like, you watch the goal go in, you hustled that goal. So it's not like you lost it on a corner kick, your legs are tired and you just probably feel depleted after that. And so I think that's important because it's hard to, especially when you're up, and then Ford goes ahead and scores two unanswered goals. I, that's it, right? I just feel like that's a re- you have to be mentally super tough to recover from that being as tired as you are. And like you said, you saw those tired legs, and Ford just kept going. Uh, one thing I love about Eaton, Eaton just puts his head down and doesn't care. He's attacking the goal. If he gets anything you know, within 40 yards of the goal, he's just going towards the top of the box. And that first goal that Don Smart has comes off of Eaton attacking the box, shooting it, and then Don oh. Smart being right there for the rebound. So yeah, for, for sure. And Don Smart got on the, uh, did get an assist later. He got an assist on the third goal for uh, for Nunez. Um, you know, I think I, I think you, you know in general the the thing about the defending, particularly in the second half by North Texas, was they they seemed to be a little bit. Uh, afraid to attack the ball. Now, I think in Don Smart's in Don Smart's second goal, that was the one where he makes the run into space. I, I think that North Texas was trying to push up. They were trying to score. They were trying to be offensive, and there was just a lot of space for Don Smart to exploit in that situation. Well, but then also, later, when you watch those 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 second and third goals from Ford, I want you to watch the passes that go to Don um, because. There's three defenders in the midfield on Paulo Jr. or Nunez or whoever has or JC Banks, whoever has the ball in the middle on those passes. There's always three defenders because what goes on, like you said, the North Texas are up. So then all of a sudden, if Ford gets it and starts bringing a counter or opens the field, they try to close in on that middle player so that that pass doesn't go through. And it never works. That pass always gets through. And then it leaves defenders one-on-one with space. Yeah. And then for JC Banks, quite frankly, I mean, he, he, 
his shot was a left-footed shot from the top of the right, box. And, beautiful. and it was a very beautiful shot, but at the same time, you had two def- it, it split to two defenders, and I think there was just a mis- miscommunication between the two of who was going to step to Banks, right? Because if either of them steps, you know, half a step more, you know, half a yard toward Banks, that ball gets blocked, right? If, yep. if, even if he tries to shoot or he doesn't try and shoot, and he probably passes it back to keep possession. And not that it mattered at that point anyway, but it was uh, it was certainly, you know, not not North Texas's brightest moment. Um, I, I think that, you know, they'll work on that and they'll have uh, they'll have a full bench very soon. This, you know, interestingly, there, there were no passes in this game, by the way, Jason. Did there was you know? what? There was no passes in this game. Like normally, no norm, yeah, normally, normally there's if if you look average passing is something like 700 passes per game oh, there was okay. less than there was less than 600 passes per game in this game yeah. well, so and it, it seems like every every pass that Ford did came from the midfield into the box or into that final third to where then they put up a shot and i think that's when they are successful and i kind of talked about this on twitter ford doesn't have a true 10 i don't even think they have a true 9 right they have three guys and don smart Paulo Jr., four guys, really, J.C. Banks and Nunez, who you just don't want to see in that final third or you don't want to see in the midfield. And I think they have a good thing going to where it's just like, okay, we don't have to have a consistent striker. We don't have to have a creative number 10. We all know our roles and we know how we can rotate and we know how we can attack. It's just about chemistry. And I think that that's helpful because when a team, like when you look at Greenville, they're only going to succeed if someone's putting the ball away for them. If Jake, if Jake Keegan's hot, right? When he's not, then they're not getting any points. Ford doesn't have to worry about that because there's not pressure on somebody finishing. It's not a style to where they have to get it to someone at the top of the box who's either hold-up play or someone who needs to get crosses into them. They have a variety of different players. And then when you add in Danny Tenorio and then when Mason Toy comes back, yeah, it's just it's literally just a rotation of athletically gifted and talented players. And I keep trying to tell you guys, Sunshine Conference, uh, if you uh, subscribe to Howler Magazine, there's a familiar name in there who actually wrote about it. And so that's where Ford went ahead and got uh, Danny Tenorio, Don Smart, and J.C. Banks. So, you know, don't don't act like local soccer isn't making it big time because they are guys that are putting in work. It totally is. And uh, the, you know, scoring by committee is something that that can benefit you, particularly as you get injuries, you get later in the season. And and if you can rotate, you know, one of those four guys uh, out for a fifth person who has a little bit of danger to them, uh, that's going to help really well, particularly when you get later and later into the season. Yep. And um, none of that happens too, though, without their background. Like that's why Sean Russell and Connor Tobin have so many clearances. That's why Tobin leaves leads the league in clearances just because when you allow all those guys to push up like that and run in that open field, you're, you know, you you leave that back open for a counter, but they've been so good at getting rid of that ball and clearing it and, um, you know, staying tall one-on-one chances. So shout out to them too. They they do also, it seems to me that they also keep four players back and it's not always their fullbacks, right? So it's not necessarily like a flat back four, but they keep some of their central midfielders back when, when the others go up into the attack. So, um, you know, it's, it's not a, and I think what that does is that clogs the middle. So it just makes it a little bit more difficult to score on forward than it does on a number of other teams. So Jason, 
you want to move on or you have yes. any last thoughts on this match? Speaking of difficult to score against, let's uh, talk about Tormenta versus Richmond. Yeah, so it was South Georgia Tormenta 1 versus Richmond Kickers 0. There was some controversy in this one. There was one goal. It was a second-half penalty kick uh, by Tormenta. The controversy was that uh, there was a shout for a foul to be called prior to um, uh, prior to the penalty kick, um, but the penalty kick was given, and because the penalty kick was given and then scored, uh, South Georgia Tormenta wins one nil. Richmond may have been hoping for the point on the road. Um, they, they're, you know, they they're they had for anything. Yeah, I mean, point. they had a few chances, so it wasn't that they had zero chances. But nonetheless, <laughs> oh well, you know how many chances they had in the first half? Zero because yeah. they had zero shots in the first half. And they had no key passes in the first half. You want to know how bad it was? They had one successful dribble in the first half. And that's just because Tormenta's defense is insane right now. Um, you look at the second half, Richmond got chances. But reading off these stats with Tormenta, lead the league with only seven goals conceded, have more clean sheets than they have goals conceded, which they also lead the lead in with eight clean sheets. Haven't been scored on since May 12th. They might not get scored on for two months. Uh, they have the best tackle win rate, so you know they're winning in the midfield. And then they've allowed the least key passes in the box. And they face the least amount of shots because of it. So it's not like for or it's not like Tormenta is just defending in the final third and doing well clearing. They're not even letting you get to their final third. They're winning the ball in the midfield. And what you watched against Richmond is Richmond was literally time wasting and passing in a triangle because Tormenta just sat there in Richmond's half and waited for them to make a mistake. And you can tell that coach John Milleresi wants them to do that. He wants other teams to make a mistake. He's saying, Hey, you know, if our offense isn't putting as many goals as we want, let's go ahead and put it on the other team to make the mistakes because we we know we're disciplined defensively. And that's exactly what happened this game, right? So with Richmond, yeah, you can call a shout for, for a foul, but if it's not given, that doesn't give you the excuse, excuse to literally have a – have you seen an NFL face mask? Because that's what that foul was, just without a helmet. It literally was twist, – Akwe twisted that man's head off. And so you can't do that. And, yeah, I like playing Torment at home. I know Chattanooga's undefeated. I know North Texas is undefeated at home. But – Listen, I don't want to play Tormenta at home with that defense. So, Jason, I, I didn't have a chance to watch very much of this match, but it, did it did it feel like Richmond wasn't getting up to the attack? Because one of the things that mentioned on River City '93 that Elliot uh, ha had brought up with, uh, with with the assistant coach of the Richmond Kickers was the fact that there was a significantly more passes in the defensive half than there were in the offensive half, whereas Tormenta had about equal number of passes in both halves. Um, did, did it feel like you know Richmond was trying to do something? So so. What coach said was, you know, they were trying to possess the ball in order to kind of disorient the tormented defense. But from what you're saying, it sounds like the tormented defense was okay with that. They just were they not. They were a hundred percent okay with that. It was literally, you can go back and watch it. There is a great example. I don't know if I put the minute mark, but in the second half, there's a great example of where Tormenta has three guys up. You've got Morrell who's all over the place and you've got Micheletto and you've got Charlie Dennis or somebody else who's up and they they've formed a little triangle barrier 
and they are not allowing Richmond to to cross it. And Richmond just keeps back passing, keeps back passing. And anytime they got to midfield, Tormenta would close in on them and they would pass it back to Fitzgerald or Akwe or whoever to give them space. So no, that's exactly what they played into. And I think Tormenta wanted that and they had no problem you know, allowing Richmond to have possession. Like I keep saying, possession is a stupid stat anyway because Richmond had 67% or 64% of possession in the first half and put up zero shots. So that's, it doesn't matter. Well, I think possession tells you kind of what happened during the game. It doesn't necessarily tell you who had more offense, right? Mm-hmm. That's that, I think that's the difference, right? So this, you know, so obviously kickers had a lot of the ball, but Tormenta was fine with that, right? They, yeah, they, they were 100% okay because they're, yeah. they're disciplined and they know when Micheletto knows when to start pressing, right? And knows how, okay. They are moving up. As soon as he gets to this yard mark, I'm pressing. We're all going to close in, and they're going to have to back pass it, or they're going to go ahead and do a, a long ball up top. But when, when you have Antley and Phelps back there who are six foot twelve, you know those are balls that they're probably going to win. So, I mean, props to Richmond. They did play well in the second half. Uh, I think Lockerbie was absolutely fantastic this game and had about three or four recoveries that saved goals. Um, and so, and then Richmond had five shots in the second half. It's just, you know, they, they lost their cool. And I think as it's not just a game, I think it's the season, right? Shinoski got two yellow cards late, you know, for both late tackles, ended up with the red card. And you just saw that frustration on him, the Aqua penalty, even if the foul's not called on you, you can't twist the guy's head off. That's just not how it works. And you know, and to give that goal up, even like you said, like they would have been fine with a point. I think they would have been ecstatic with a point. So for you to give that up in the last 10 minutes of the game, that's just unacceptable. You can't lose your goal like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a discipline issue there. And obviously there was frustration as well. All right. So moving on to the first game of week 14, we're getting into halfway through the season here, Jason. Almost there. We're and almost so there. this this was Tuesday night. Uh, the game was North Texas Soccer Club 1 versus FC Tucson, who scored zero uh, in this particular match. The goal was by who else? I, I don't know. Probably the golden boot leader. I don't know. That's just Ronaldo, my guess. <laughs> Ronaldo Damis. The assist goes to Jose Bonilla. Uh, <clears throat> so this in this game, you had uh, North Texas had 57% possession. They, uh, uh, they had a, a boatload of passes, 471 passes uh, to 346 for Tucson. I mean, that's not unusual. Tucson, a lot of times, will uh, will, will sit back and counter. They, they let yeah. the other team have the ball, so it's not a huge surprise. But they outshot Tucson 14-7 to seven and had five of their shots on goal compared to Tucson's two. Uh, both teams had about 20 tackles. And, uh, you know, this was uh, not a game – um, that lacked uh, that lacked excitement, even though there weren't a lot of goals. Um, yeah. You know, did you do you have anything specific about this? I, I mean, uh, want to talk us through the goal, maybe, Jason? Well, I don't. So I'll, I'll say this because we're, we're we talk a lot about North Texas, and we're going to. I'll let you talk about the goal. I don't hate Tucson's plan. I don't think they that they played a bad game. I don't think. I think that you know there was just a moment. Cox had a shot you know, that was just a tremendous save from North Texas that probably would have been in nine out of 10 times any other game. When you look at uh, Tucson's key passes and how they were playing, they were sending everything from the sides and they had a lot of good chances. And that's what you want to do against North Texas, who Jada, I think, is their tallest player, right? And you want to send them, you want to send that in. Um, 
Tucson has these huge, huge center backs and wing backs. So I don't hate the game plan. I just think that, you know, North Texas stayed, you know, they had, they had two great saves. So I do want to shout out their keeper for that because he kind of uh, Avila's kept them in the game. Um, but yeah, it's just, that's just one of those games where it's just, it's a tough, tough loss, right? Especially on the road, you come with a game plan. It looks like it's working. Um, but yeah, I just don't think that Tucson, I mean, like when you even look at the average positioning, North Texas, it's like Coleman was the highest up in the field and he's nowhere close to the box. Right. So it's not like Tucson defended horribly. It's not like they passed horribly. It's just bad luck. Um, but so, you know, Tucson, well, and quite, quite frank, quite frankly, they needed a more clinical finish. I don't remember who it was, but early in the second half, or excuse me, yep. early in the first half, there was a, a shot right from the penalty spot, point and, blank, and it was and, right at the keeper. And that's the name we, we haven't talked about. What you know, Delgado, right? He was supposed to be that finisher for them, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, when we talk about teams, we we talk about Greenville a lot, we talk about Richmond a lot, needing clinical finishers. Tucson might be up there too. They, that might be a game changer for them. Yeah, so for, so Delgado did not play in this match, so okay. um, so not you know so obviously it wasn't his fault. But but Jamga, who I spoke to last week uh, on on this show, he uh, you know you know he had a he had a good look on net. It, actually, that might have been his shot. Um, yeah, you know, he had a couple of good looks on net, but again, they, they weren't clinical enough. Um, you know, this easily could have been one one, especially after that. So uh, to talk you through uh, North Texas's goal in this one, uh, the ball came down the left hand side uh, all the way into the channel. Uh, it was then cut back and uh it was ronaldo damas found it right at the top of the d and just a great great shot to the uh uh to the bottom right corner of the net um you know i i hate saying that there's nothing a goalkeeper could do because obviously there always is um like they i'm sure hey hey as a goalkeeper nah i'm gonna i'm not gonna allow you to say that there (laughs) are times where nah there's nothing i can do well this might this might have been this may have been one of them, yeah. And uh, um, you know, late in the game as well, uh, North Texas did hit the post, and uh, um, so they, they could have had a second. But um, you know, this this was not a uh, this was not an unexciting game, but no, it no. was definitely I, one that uh, North North Texas probably deserved to win overall. It's funny because the probably the most exciting play, if you go back and watch, um, in the twenty fifth minute of the first half, uh, Jangba runs down the sideline to save a ball that he has no business saving and pretty much saves it by putting his leg out from the sideline to keep the ball in in between the defender's leg (laughs) and then ends up, you know, passing it into the box. Somebody heads it down and then Cox has a volley, which is just a rocket. But like I said, a tremendous goalkeeping from the North Texas keeper to keep that one out because nine out of 10 times, nobody's touching that. All right, so moving on uh, to preview this week's, next week's matches. This is week 14. This will be the halfway point of the season. Uh, someone asked if there was going to be an all-star game. What would it be? I think that's something we should do for next week, Jason. What do you yeah. think? I think, right. I think that'd be a good one. Okay. Uh, while the fireworks are going off on July the 3rd, we'll be here discussing football because that's what Jason and I do. Uh, Friday night at – or Friday afternoon, I should say, another 4 p.m. game. I, they'll be busting in. You already know what time it is, baby. Yeah, they'll be busting in kids probably after school. I want to say it's not, it's not even – they're probably out of school. But anyway, uh, 4 p.m. 
Yeah, it's like, my, yeah, my kids are off out of school. Yeah, they, uh, last Friday was the last day. I know y'all uh, northerners uh, go to school forever because it doesn't get warm until, <laughs> until I was now. laughing at the Lansing guys. They're like, yeah, you know, when the weather starts being consistently warm, I was like, what? It's almost <laughs> July. What are yeah. y'all talking about? Exactly. Well, it was, yeah, it was, it was hot today for sure up in the Northeast. Uh, so TFC2 plays forward Madison at 4 p.m. in the afternoon on Friday. Uh, then uh, at 7.30 that night, you can see OC be playing Greenville Triumph. Then on Saturday, 7 p.m., you have the Chattanooga Red Wolves are hosting the Richmond Kickers, Sands Connor Shenansky, who, as Jason mentioned, got a red card for double for two yellows uh, this week. So um, and then at 8 p.m. is North Texas is hosting Lansing Ignite at 8. Uh, North Texas this time. So, so let's talk about this a little bit because you you not only will have players coming back from the Development Academy Cup uh, and playoffs, but you'll have uh, 14 additional players in total, North Texas mentioned, including some people who I, I think are pretty important for North Texas, quite frankly, like Tanner Tessman, for example, he'll be back on on the uh, the roster. Plus, five FC Dallas players are being loaned down to North Texas. So, hey, guys at Capital Combustion, I don't have a good feeling about this one. Yeah, well, you know, don't, that's okay. They have super sub Celso, you know, to, to come <laughs> off the bench. So. Right, it'll be uh, all right. And then week 15 next Wednesday. So uh, this will actually occur after we record uh, next week. But at 10 p.m. Eastern time, you have uh, FC Tucson is hosting TFC 2. Uh, so who stood out this weekend, Jason, on for your uh, team of the week? Uh, anyone not make the team of the week that you think should have? Yeah, and, you know, you can't keep putting – you can't have a you know a whole team of one team on team of the week, but I thought defensively Connor Doyle was so important for his team. Um, six tackles, two clearances, three interceptions, winning 15 of his 21 duels, and then winning seven of his 10 aerial duels. Um, he's just he's, he's an important hustler, right? One of those players that just gives all he can, doesn't necessarily see the results on the stat sheet, um, but you know defensively. I don't think that Chattanooga can be in the position that they're in with that offense if he's not putting in that work, right? So for Pineda and UEFA to move up, Doyle kind of has to come back, and you've seen him go back a little more uh, and start winning those balls in the midfield, and I think uh, he definitely deserves a shout. I think he was an incredible player. But I did like that um, team of the week featured Serta. You know, let's get those defensive mids some love. He's been consistent all year, so I did like that. So shout out to Serta. But it's once again a, a 3-4-3 that I probably – or like a 3-1-3-3 three, 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 maybe <laughs> – <laughs> like if you were really to line up uh, that, that one, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. Listen, the to line, line up not, don't even matter, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, everyone says that, and then I notice, you know, not, everyone says, "Oh, it's a team fluid week." I guess yeah, I don't know. You put, which okay, so for I your prefer team, to have, I prefer to have four defenders on on a team. Of the okay, week, but right, which is fine. But I'm saying, so let's say, let's say for a week where it was just nobody scored. And it was seven people with great defensive effort. So seven packs. You can't you can't make room. Just change the formation and do a seven two two one or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. I see your point, but no, no. I guess otherwise you, you force guys onto the team like last week who literally had five passes in the whole game, and well, you know well, that's that's no knock the Pineda because he's been he's you know he's been the 
the game changer for Chattanooga. But yeah, you can't. I, how do you justify being team of the week with five passes? So let's. Uh, so, so, but let's say this. Let's say for our All Star team, uh, how about we do a four three three formation with a D mid and two tens maybe, and then uh, in a you know two wingers and a striker, and then we can have. Uh, have a bench maybe with uh, with with seven subs. Yeah, yeah, that. that's fine. I guess. All right. Well, All right. <laughs> but, oh, because you, you just you just want a whole bunch of midfielders. Absolutely. Yeah. Like strikers <laughs> are pointless. <laughs> like, <laughs> the best well, team. Don't... I, I don't know if you if if you have Stephen Beatty and uh, Arturo Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, but they're <laughs> not even. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Beatty, Rodriguez, all the forward guys. The only striker that's clinically consistent every week is um Damas or whoever's playing for North Texas let's right, just say right yeah. like even with Lansing they're finding success on the wings or, or their center backs are out here volleying shots <laughs> and then when you look at Tormenta same, same, right same, same thing with FC Tucson yeah Tormenta Alex Morel plays more like a moving midfielder as he is a striker because he's consistently all over the field and pressing and they rely on Micheletto and Coutinho and, you know, Charlie, you know, Charlie Dennis and them to score, not necessarily having somebody up top that's always scoring. So yeah, that, yeah. that's fair. Strikers don't matter. So for my money, I think if Stephen Beattie gets a brace and not a hat trick, that he's not the player of the week and Don Smart is. Um, Ooh. But I Ooh, will, I like it. I will I like leave it. I will leave that there. Well, you know, two goals and an assist yeah. trumps two goals, I guess. And, and yeah. that's, I mean, if you go back and look at the games that Ford have played well, Don Smart was probably the player of the match of all those games, right? Yeah, I, mean, I would, I would, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty close. And if not for him, it's someone on the back line who just, who, who saved a bunch of goals, right? Yep. So, um, I mean, when he combines with, uh, with Paolo Jr., it's, their attack is pretty, is pretty yeah. big, yeah. Um, they they spread the field a lot. Like like I, I know we're we're kind of a little bit off topic here, but you, you know the the thing with forwards attack that I've noticed it's you have basically when you get to the middle of the field, um, those two guys pull really really wide and then make yeah. these bending runs in behind that I think surprise people, particularly teams that press up their other fullbacks. So there's just tons of space for them to run into. Yeah. And Don Smart did it twice, right? Don Smart did it mm-hmm. twice against North Texas, and and um, and you have to be Giro- ready for that. And Giro and Carter Manley do it too when they overlap, right? Four just spread you. And that's why I was saying all their goals come from open field, just sprinting goals because they spread the field so much. They have all that space. And so yeah. what teams are trying to do is, okay, we're not going to be able to keep up. There's too much space. Let's just try to cut off that middle pass. But Paulo and Nunez are just too talented. This doesn't work, yeah, I think sometimes it'll be interesting to see when they play against some of the teams that possess a little more. Like, I mean, I know that they played these teams already, but when they play Richmond again or they play Chattanooga, who who tend to possess the ball more, they might actually have a harder time because there won't be that mm-hmm. amount of space on the field, right? I um, agree. So, so that'll that'll be pretty interesting to watch. Um, so, you know what else is going to be interesting though is uh, for when we're talking about the games or the preview, uh, I do think that. Um, that TFC two Madison game is going to be super fun. I think because uh, Toronto kind of does it in the same way to where they like to have the open field and Schaffelberg likes to just come through and serbly. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that game I think is either going to be a very kind of hesitant one Oh, or we're looking at a three, two, three, three game. I think that one's going to be a fun one. 
Yeah, it's, it, TFC at home, there tends to, it seems to be a lot of goals in yeah. this game. I'm telling you, so, it's the power of the kids. You should sure. just have kids cheering just, you just on. Just have, have, have 508-year-olds screaming yes. and you, you'll do it. Um, TFC also on Wednesday when they play FC Tucson, you know, they'll be playing a short rest. Um, you know, Tucson will have a have a, a full week and a half rest, which I don't know if that's good or not for them. And Tucson's um, at home, right? Uh, Tucson's at home, yeah. So yeah. Tucson's I think it's good home. for as long as it's five hour margarita night. I think that's good for them because yeah. that's apparently when Tucson is shining at its best. So someone actually asked me the other day, "Is this the longest trip?" By the way, in all of uh, uh, it is not. One, it is not because Richmond, it believe it or not, is farther east than yeah. uh, than Toronto. Uh, the north south isn't as big as east west. No. All right. Heard, uh, did we get any? Like Ohio is more east than. Like Florida, Alabama, Atlanta, or Florida, some some crazy. <laughs> I don't I don't understand maps. I don't get it. I mean, yeah. it's not real anyway. Like time's not real. Geography is not real. It's all man made. Oh, we're getting we're getting way too philosophical. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. here for throwing that out there. None of that is real. It's all man made. Ten ten o'clock on a Wednesday night here in the East Coast. I, I think I, I can't fathom. My, my mind does not compute. Uh, any fan questions tonight, Jason? No, because Jason slipped up and real world took over and he well, forgot. To, if you uh, do have any questions, please tweet at us at USL. Uh, no, excuse me, at League and the number one fun uh, on Twitter or uh, or it's League One fun at gmail.com. You could hit us up either way and we will be more than happy to answer your questions on the show or just yeah. answer on Twitter. That's or send, a, yeah, send us an email for anonymous questions. I would love that. Well, there you know, have to be anonymous questions. You can well, say I anonymous. I mean, you can say, hey, don't, don't say my that's name. When you get the, that's when you get the – I think we have one right now. It says, uh, why is Alex Mangels the best goalkeeper in the league? Wow, what a great question because uh, he definitely is. And for the people on Twitter that's been fighting me on it, you're, <laughs> you're, you're wrong. He's, he's uh, the best keeper in the league my, right now. My, my, my guess is based on our, conversa- on our conversation in, uh, in Slack today that, uh, that he might wind up being the first person we mention next week on our all-star team. I would hope so. Um, <laughs> but we'll have some, we'll have a goalkeeper on the bench too. So we'll, we'll bring two. They each pay a half, right? So Yeah. So Jason. Yes. Where can people connect with you? Uh, you can send that anonymous email to us, or you can connect <laughs> with me at uh, Home Sweet Soccer. I can be found at Ira Jersey on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and check out bgn.fm and for all the other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, MLS, and more, including, by the way, Jason changes to the laws of the game they were you know i I actually finished my d license for u.s soccer coaching license and there was a question about what is all are all the new laws of the game and i was able just to email that uh that quick summary to all of my class and they all appreciated it so all kinds of stuff out there and great technical and tactical analysis uh for a lot of league one teams from uh writers locally or from jason and i when we can find the time also thanks (laughs) to our sponsor golden gold press the best choice to get your customs shirts hats mugs and other items for yourself or your organization check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com and thanks to Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Jason, until next week. Until next week. Until next week.